never give up. I never give up. I never give up. Hi guys, welcome back to My Steps to Sobriety, my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefanie. Today is a fantastic day. I have got Lynn Palmiter Bauman with me. Lynn is a woman who, like me, lives the life, her life to the fullest. And she is a woman who has found ways to cheat death. <laughs> no, but that's something that you would say probably in Hollywood. <laughs> no, we don't cheat death, but we live our life to the fullest in order to assure that we can prove that the past does not equal the future. We can change lives. We can change our lives. We can take control of the aging process. And that is something that we've only figured out over the last 10, 20 years. But this is an exciting and beautiful, beautiful mission. Because I'm 56. I'm still a baby. Lynn assured me. <laughs> but I assured her that I made a hell of a lot of bad decisions for a baby. Um, but hey, here we go. <laughs> The next 56 years, I want to live with that passion and that that first uh, for life. And she is modeling that. So I can't wait to talk to Lynn. Lynn, welcome to my show. <laughs> and I love that we started out talking about cheating because, of course, in Hollywood, that's something we know a little bit about, you may realize. Uh, <laughs> exactly. <and laughs> yeah. Having been actually born in Hollywood, what a weird thing, right? So I feel like I have it in my DNA, in, in, in all of its craziness. Good morning. What a blast to be talking to you all the way across the world uh, at two different ends of a storm system that goes for thousands of miles. <laughs> touché, touché. Lynn still blames me for the storm in California, only just because we are renowned for our little storms here in New yeah. Zealand. Come on. You sent it all the way across the Pacific. Exactly. Yeah. Hey, uh, this is if if my Y chromosome gives you that that peace of mind, I'm happy to take it. <laughs> Honey, I'm sorry, I'm home. <laughs> no, stop it! Stop it! Stop it! Stop it! Stop it! You are happily married. I'm happily married. And, yes. But maybe just because of that, we can make the fun out of it. Lynn, we this can. is you're an amazing woman, and I think the first time I, I uh, the first thing that really came up when I saw you uh, was your cookbook, um, the, the the brownies for breakfast, and I thought, which I just happened to have right here. Oh, oh what a coincidence! <laughs> I have it. Right here. Beautiful, beautiful. Now, see, I even as a young man, um, I always had this saying: there is not not enough cheesecake in this world. Um, for me, it was cheesecake. For you, it is brownies. So, how how can you say brownies are good for you, um, and yet you're living a a model life of of being um, being uh, in a beautiful fit state um, at a gen. At a at a tender age of maybe talk about your age. Oh, please do. Uh, I'm all about it because I love being this age. I mean, I, you know, I've never been happier. I've never felt more free. I've never had. Well, I have had more fun. Maybe uh, that's that's a different subject. I mean, it was the '60s. Okay. <laughs> I was about to say. Come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But um, now, excuse me, now I have money, which is nice. Didn't then, right? So, <laughs> and, I, and there's nothing wrong with having some cash in your pocket. Yeah. Is it not? But the whole point, Stefan, the, the book, the subtitle is a cookbook for diabetics and the people who love them. Because, I'm sorry, who doesn't love sweets? Most mm -hmm, of us mm -hmm, love mm -hmm. our sweets. And it is relatively simple to make these foods so that they're healthy, so that they're not only fabulously delicious, but they are low carb, they're high in protein and vitamins uh -huh. and everything, and they don't contain any junk. So it's it's a simple kind of grandma approach to please don't eat crap, eat good food. <laughs> and it's it's all really easy to make. Because our health crisis, you probably know this, which is what ages us, ill health, mm. is absolutely decimating us. Something like 85% of us, maybe more, have chronic disease that is preventable and reversible. And it's because you're eating the wrong kind of donuts and brownies. <laughs> That's so true. And in, I always keep saying that if you were to go into a supermarket and and recently I had a, a fact check because my, my son is over there in, in the beautiful States. Um, so he he went shopping, virtual shopping for me, and he described the aisles and aisles and aisles of trash that is there. Um, and even in, in our Garbage. supermarkets here where we maybe have eight tenth of the rubbish uh that you guys have still if you look at the whole supermarket i would say 80 percent shouldn't be called food and i'm it not isn't. talking the american supermarkets where you can buy a couch and a television and etc in our supermarkets here it's food okay end of the story so and but 80 percent of it is that the packaging that the plastic and the cardboard around it is probably more nutritious than what you've got actually inside and I, they are, and that is what you are really, uh, what you are really about. So I That's love absolutely, to hear that. absolutely what I'm about. Hmm. I, I am diabetic, and I say am because once you are diabetic, you you can reverse it. To say you cure it is not accurate because if you fall off the wagon, you're diabetic again, like that. So, nice. but as long as you behave, you can be without all of the ill effects of your diabetes. And the difference with me is that I learned in my 40s, early 40s, that I was a type 2 diabetic. And normally people don't because there are no symptoms. Uh -huh. You don't know you have. It's this silent killer. Absolutely. And so I was I just absolutely determined that I was going to remain healthy. I had three little kids, single mom, crazy life. I was their sole source of income. So mama bear, right? I was determined that I was going to be the last one standing. I was going to live long <laughs> and prosper on behalf of my kids. But also I wanted life. I absolutely mm. wanted life. And I didn't want ill health. Mm. My mother had died when I was 18 of a chronic disease. So I had a, a kind of a peculiar worldview based on that. For one thing, I'd been a little bit feral. I mean, I, you know, when you don't have a strong mother figure mm. in your life and you're the youngest child, 
Um, you get away with murder, right? <laughs> you just disappear and you go. Feral. Which, I like that. I like that. Yeah, <laughs> in a way, it it prepares you beautifully for life uh, when you think about it. And well, um, you had to grow up fast um, when your mum is 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 dead. She May was gone, I... and my whole my house, my dog, my everything disappeared practically overnight when she died because of the circumstances of all of it. And so there I was, hmm. just me, you know, against the world. And, uh, but it was the sixties. And uh, so the music was great. And there were all kinds of interesting things to do and see. And of course I took off for Paris as soon as I could and um, started my professional life there. Uh, Think, and so, and I ended up, Stefan, in, in marketing and advertising after a number of, you talk about bad decisions and pitfalls. You know, the whole thing, you you have to be willing to fail, <laughs> oh, <yeah>. right? <laughs> That's what life is. And man, I did. I wound up in the gutter more than once, you know, covered with mud and ashes and wh whatever. Um, but then you get up and you go on. That's and I think I didn't have the expectation that everything would be smooth. I knew it was going to be bumpy. So um, there you go. May I, may I go back to that time, please? Because sure. ultimately, um, the way you describe it, you're a bit like me. Uh, you're you have got the ability to turn something negative and and put a nice construct around it and makes it positive. So you are. You're, you you created this beautiful picture of yourself as a survivor. And that's exactly how I saw myself uh, yeah. when I look back at my youth. Having said that, there was a hell of a lot of trauma involved in that. And yes. I unfortunately did never learn until later in my life to deal with my emotions. I'm, I'm still... I'm still working on that. Uh, but my core beliefs, which were pretty screwed up, and my my uh, my whole way of dealing with adversity, oh boy. So I have very quickly relied on alcohol and other people rely on on other substances or other behaviors to try to escape their reality. Were you tempted? What was your poison of choice when you were younger? Oh, golly. Um I was tempted by everything. I mean, here, <laughs> again, it was the 60s, you know, so. My point. I mean, and they say drugs, if you can't. <laughs> rock and roll. Uh, <laughs> in a way, I had a blast, Stefan, because I loved music, deeply mm. loved music, especially roots music, American music. And I had some cowboy friends. I mean, I had some some country band fellas that some who became famous, actually, and um, we, uh, there was a club in North Hollywood, the Palomino club, that was my hangout. Uh -huh. And, um, that was my drug of choice. I, <laughs> I never wanted to be too, too wiped out to not enjoy what was happening and to not right. hear the music. And, um, there was, I don't know. I, I just was never, I mean, yeah, I, I partied and I drank, but, um, I also worked. You know, that's it. I you you couldn't go to work really hungover Very or not true. so Very true. And and I liked my work. I wanted to work. I always enjoyed working. And which may sound a little odd. Not at all. <laughs> but I, 
did. Not at all. I was in, I became, I was I be- in creative work, you know. I became so. a workaholic long before I became an alcoholic. Was the there work something for you to run away from? From Was that something for you to prove yourself? What drove you? I loved the work. Brilliant. Uh, I, I was an artist always, came out of yeah. the womb that way. And and so drawing, making things beautiful, yeah. making things sound good, making things look great. Oh. I, that was my, my what? That drove me. Mm. And um, I always wanted my place to look good. And uh, I enjoyed <laughs> dressing, you know, yeah. I mean. Isn't it interesting when we think about it? And now that I'm a grandmother, grandma, I think about it a lot. We come out of the shoot who we are. We are some, we're not a blank slate that is going to be formed. We are what? We're a thing, a soul, a person, a a personality, whatever, Mm. that is absolutely unique and who will deal with things differently than other people do. Um, And the same formula just doesn't work for any two people in the world. That's very true. That's so true. And, and to a certain degree, I, I agree with you. Um, But for example, the way we come out uh, also includes maybe predispositions. I mean, I for sure have got probably all 50 plus uh, genetic markers for alcoholism because of my whole family going backwards and sidewards uh, alcohol plays a big role in in, in my family's ancestry um and well and can i interrupt you shoot alcohol was survival absolutely absolutely that's so, that's yeah that's what i'm saying but having said yeah. that what i'm trying to say is that uh yes the, the genetic, genetic predisposition is there. There is a certain way that you are made up, 100% agreed. But there is so much then that that where the, the outside world impresses itself on you and, and molds you and forms you and, and forces you yeah. to be a certain person. Um, many of us die not realizing who they really were meant to be. You were different. You maybe because of of circumstances were allowed to make those mistakes. Uh, you had the privilege of being yes. in the gutter. Freedom. Because, yeah, that's right. That that transformed you. That is a very powerful thing for a woman. For a woman at a time where there were still the norms of oh my goodness, you have to be at home and you have to be you know white picket fence and and start baking cookies. Bad ones, for that matter. <laughs> well, and that's another thing. I always loved to eat, Stefan. And so, and I never had any money. So you uh, combine those things. Uh, and the reason I didn't have money was because I was paid dirt money. I mean, uh, back in the day, you know, being female, starting, I, uh, 1964 was the year I graduated from high school. Beatles, all that. But women were not in the workforce. You know, I mean, we could go back on this whole hmm. feminist rant here, but um, we were not allowed in the best colleges. They were not co-ed. We, and, and I've told young friends hmm. in, in those times to get a job, it was help wanted men, help wanted women in the hmm. newspaper. Yeah. Two entirely different worlds. And 
happily, I was sort of on the strange border of those worlds where I wasn't a nurse, I wasn't a secretary, I was lousy at all that stuff. Uh, and I wasn't gonna be a teacher, didn't want to, but I, I was an artist and there was a need for that. Mm. And then I learned that I also wrote better than almost anyone who was in the business with me. So I kept saying, okay, no, here, you do the art. Let me write that. It's terrible. And so I, I created my own sort of professional path in the way that you do when you got to make some money, you have to have something and you take what's in front of you mm. and you make something out of it. Beautiful. Uh, Beautiful. Well, and you thrived in that environment and you developed yourself. Because if I look at your CV, if I look at your background, there are a whole lot of things. It's not just it's advertising. A little crazy, I know. Uh, why don't we do a bit of acting? Why don't we do a bit of makeup artistry? Why don't we? You just, how did that all come about? Because, and and what has changed us into people who think there is a thing we should do or a thing <laughs> that we are? Right. We are all, all these things. We're a bunch of things. The only difference I think was that I was cheeky, you uh, know? I don't know cheeky. exactly why, partly because I was feral, I guess, but, but I was cheeky. And so somebody would say, well, I need somebody to do this. I go, well, I can do that. Yeah, Excellent. give me that, you know, I'll do that. So why not? Exactly, you know? beautiful, um, beautiful, and beautiful. I had fun. But also I was prey because I was young. Oh, and sure. I never considered myself incredibly beautiful because I grew up, all the women were taller and blonder and had better bones than me, you know, but, but as young women, we were prey and there was no, no one had our backs this way. You were always navigating the, and you knew no one would listen. No one would care. Law enforcement was not, you know, none of that. So your career aspirations were woven around what, and I figured out pretty early that if I stayed in Hollywood, it was going to be rough. So I left. And, um, and I'm not sorry, you know, reading all the stories now, uh -huh. golly, you know, because we women weren't even brave enough to talk to each other uh -huh. back then about what was happening. And we accepted it. That's exactly. just the way it is. Exactly. You know? so, it's so hard to understand uh, for nowadays generation um, to to understand the acceptance. At yes. that time, it was just nice. Let's fondle a woman. Aha, that's what a man does. Uh, yeah. And it, 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 but they're it, four. And it yeah. is, yeah. Wow. Uh, you say you left. Where did yeah. you leave to? I went to North Carolina from Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? Uh, did you learn to play the banjo at an early stage? Oh, no, but a lot of banjo <laughs> jokes. Uh, North Carolina is a beautiful place, and it was uh, semi-civilized. No uh, but I, I took a job with an NBC uh, affiliate TV station uh -huh. as, I thought, a news anchor. Mm -hmm. A little bitty station, you know, out. Mm, you know, uh, and um, I had only, it was in Wilmington, North Carolina, which is on the coast. And I very quickly realized that they weren't going to give me the anchor desk. They were going to give me weather. I knew nothing about that. As I 
mentioned earlier. No, but no way. I'd never seen weather. I knew nothing about weather. But they didn't consider it. There weren't meteorologists doing weather then. There were boys from high school on these cameras and they had little paper notes and and I was supposed to call the the um I don't know the where the planes landed near the FA, whatever. I was supposed to get information. I didn't know any of that. Well, it didn't take me long to get fired. I mean, I was definitely the worst weather person ever in the history of broadcasting. <laughs> I, I, I dare anyone to challenge me in this regard. I mean, I was bad. Um, I looked great, you know, but mm -mm, totally bad. But that's how you learn. And uh, I got to North Carolina and discovered this other this world where they really needed other skills that I had, writing uh, and advertising. And you know, so I founded agencies and I went to work and I did stuff. And I loved North Carolina. It was it was a good place to be at the time. Excellent. Excellent. And I ended up having marrying and having three fabulous children, three years in a row. But I married, like many women did, a guy who had come back from Vietnam and changed his clothes on the plane. He was a Marine. He'd done two tours in the jungle. And when I met him, he had a three-piece suit and he was a banker and everything was fine. But shortly after marrying and starting to have these kids, high-stress situation, he just unraveled, Stefan. He, he was addicted. He was uh, violent. And like so many of these guys, I mean, people don't even realize, so I'll put a plug in for this. More of those vets died of their own hand than died in combat. And he, years later, um, did that. But when I met him, he was tall and handsome and fast talking. And uh, so three kids later, I realized that it was not, I, I wouldn't survive it. I needed to take the kids and go. And so wow. I came back to California on a train with three, two, three, and four. Wow. And, and that was an adventure, you know. Um, it was really, really interesting. We made it home. And I started a new life in my sister's driveway in a camping trailer <laughs> with three little kids. Um, uh, and, you know, it's good material. Right? My goodness. My goodness. And it's interesting that you said uh, you, you drove home. Um, so you would have thought North Carolina was your home by then. And but you obviously you can't take uh take california out of the girl no because and you know the west of the united states is so different i mean culturally i was more at home in france in many ways than i was in north carolina Interesting. north carolina, i mean the south of the united states is culturally you know this because you're reading the papers is very, very and california is in a way the most western of the West, it's this crazy mixture of of Asian people and of South American people and uh, Native American people and Anglo people. I mean, it's where everything came together and got mushed and then Silicon Valley happened and then more people. Came. I mean, it's 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 very, very. Um, what's the word heterogeneous? 
very nice. It's, it's a melting a pot, the true melting pot of it the is, United States. Was ever was always uh, labeled like that, but when I yeah. look at certain as uh, certain areas of the United States, I have to strongly disagree there. <laughs> but then again, they are the true true places where this still happens, and that is obviously uh, that what attracted you. Maybe the freedom. Maybe you're such a such a free bird uh, in your in in your heart heart that you you knew where you belonged and where you well, were prosper. And when you talk to people who have lived in California, even people who have emigrated here from other states, once you've lived in this kind of sparkling, you know, dynamic environment, it's very very hard to go back to non-acceptance of any kind or to, to a critical eye on everything that you do. Hmm. California is very accepting um, of so much. And I mean, I just say the word Berkeley and everybody goes, ah, yes, <laughs> right. I know what you're talking about. And okay. uh, I mean, not that we're anything close to perfect here. I don't mean that. I no. just mean that we're like that family down the street that's fighting it out on the lawn. You know, you can see this cultural mix coming together in a very interesting way in our creative products. And so what happened with me was I, and my sister was here and she was the one who said, you got to leave. You have to come. I can help you if you come here. And cause I had no one in North Carolina. And so I arrived in her driveway, as I mentioned, lived in a camping trailer that she, one of those old pop-up trailers mm. and that I was happy to have. And very quickly figured out that there was this crazy thing happening called the computer revolution, 1980. It was the year of the Mac, the Apple II. And my sister sat me down and said, okay, you're gonna learn how to use this. And I said, no, I'm not, no. And she said, no, no, you're, you're and she was an engineer you're going to learn how to do this. Okay. Okay. So I learned how to do it and went, wow, it's a miracle. It's amazing. So I became, I think, again, anybody challenge me. I think I was the first person to write advertising copy on an Apple computer, at least in California. <laughs> so I walked into this <laughs> ad agency with this computer under my arm and they're all like, what is that? What are you doing? You know, and they had clients making bits and pieces that were going, but nobody was actually using this tool yet as yeah. a creative tool in the ad business. So um, timing, Stefan, you know, yeah. there I was, and they didn't care if I was a girl because yeah. they needed somebody to do that. Beautiful. And I, of course, said, oh, I can yeah. do that. Yeah, that's fine. I'll do that. And, and actually, and I'll tell you a little story about what really got me hooked, and that was... Um, I had started doing freelance work for this agency and they were good folks, did good work and it was good money. And I thought, okay, because I have these kids, I can't take a full-time job. I've got these three kids. And so he said, okay, I, I'd love for you to work for us full-time. Really would like that. But at least write the ad for someone to come in full-time. I want you to write the ad. And so I said, okay, what do you want? And it, okay, person who can write this, write that. And how much? And he said, I think it, I recall the numbers. 48,000 a year. And of course, I tried very hard. You know, I was an actress at one point. I didn't respond. Um, but inside, I'm going, 
Holy. <laughs> because the last salary I had made was like 22000 Exactly. And of course, what I said to him was, you know, Charlie, you guys are great. <clears throat> we can work it out. I'll do it. I'll take the job. Oh, my God. Beautiful. So that was the beginning of, I like to call it big girl money for me. Mm. Because at the time, that's what it seemed like. Mm. You know, it was a miracle. And I could live decently with my kids and pay for childcare, which mm. was fine. But all of that. Oh, how so, beautiful is that? But I mean, well, that is that is you being, yes, there was a degree of luck there, but that is you taking opportunities when they arise. You were you were not afraid to branch out. You were you took the opportunity. There it was, bang, you took it, and then you figured out how to do it and what to do about it. Now that is a, a mindset. That is the mindset of a winner. That is that is, I mean, you were you uh, I yes, you could argue this was maybe in your genes. I think that this was this was pre-programmed by your upbringing and by the sudden death of your mother. Um, by it was you were molded into this survivor slash thriver. You didn't just survive; you very quickly thrived uh, in a setting. So that was that is an amazing, amazing story. And if you look, as for you it. can imagine, I mean, there were some real rough patches. Oh yeah, for another show, lots of stories. Uh, there were some very rough patches, but uh, nothing helps you grow up quite as fast as three little kids. Oh, Only... hell yes. <laughs> <laughs> and they were they were all mean and smart and still oh, are. Beautiful. Um, they are in their they're starting to be late forties now. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, so what? When did your journey turn and change? Because here you were, eighties. Now advertising, advertising at that time was a very, very wet environment and not very healthy living. Um, when I, if I was to look back, um, is that not fair to say? Oh, oh, honey, I did have some nice long lunches for sure. Yeah, that's my point. <laughs> With some adult beverages. Oh yes. That and was normal. Fact, yeah. I mean, did you happen to see the series? Uh, Mad Men. Uh, Mad Men. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. I was thinking of you there. It's a cross between Joni and Peggy. All right. <laughs> that was me. I mean, the clothes we wore, that show was amazing. The language that was used, yeah. the things that were eaten and yeah. consumed, that was absolutely what we were doing. Exactly. And, <laughs> so and you, in fact, the company car at the agency that I went to work for was a convertible, one of those great little Mercedes convertibles. That was the company car that we got to do. I mean, you don't think that that was fun? Ah, beautiful. Beautiful. So, Again, but, my but, point, my point, we both have lived lives that are probably not so conducive to uh, anti-inflammation, to to, uh, <laughs> to keeping our genes uh, in a prime condition. Yeah, my bottom. <laughs> well, and there was something about me. I knew, I understood, I don't know, I want to say instinctively, that my body was my instrument. Uh, maybe this is Mormon ancestors or something, but but I knew that I had to stand my feet, stay strong, stay healthy, 
I can remember getting the flu one time and being just down. And I had a girlfriend who brought me food. And so then I called my sister, she got my kids. And I remember thinking, I can't do this. I can't be not just, there's no room in my life for me to be down and sick. So I've always, always been on the lookout for how, how do I do this? How do I, how do I stay on my feet? No matter what. And, you know, that involves being um, physically fit, slender, uh, and able to move and, you know, dress the way you need to dress. Because I was always in these, these jobs where what you looked like was huge, mm -hmm. you know, and, and so, and I didn't make any bones about it. You know, that was part of the deal. Mm -hmm. uh, I had to suit up. And, uh, and so you have to be like a ball player, you know, you got to be toned up and put the equipment on and head out there. Another thing that I've written about that I hadn't thought about much until I started writing this cookbook that I have out now was the fact that I ate around the table with my family growing up. We ate at dinner at the dinner table and my father would hold court and he was a marketing man industrial marketing so every night of my life would be dinner and he would be talking about his day and what happened and decisions that were made i didn't realize until i was an adult that that was this incredible graduate course in marketing industrial marketing wow. that i got at my dinner table and wow. what i like for parents now to understand is that your kids are learning way more from you at the table, the other adults at the table, than they're learning when they go to choir practice, maybe, or baseball practice or whatever. We've given up this space together at the dinner table for all this running around, busy kind of thing, mm. when in fact, that was where, in my day, that was where the real education was. And I'm starting to read a lot now about how, you know, the, the events of recent years where kids have had to go home, the pandemic and so on. And people are starting to realize that the education that you get from your parents is huge. It's, it's so much more important than what's, I mean, not that our teachers aren't wonderful and important and not that the schools don't need to be there, but you can't just outsource your kids to school. What they what they learn that is the most important, they learn at home. Beautiful. I know any teacher out there listening will just start applauding here and will think, oh my God, she could have not said it in a better way. <laughs> That's exactly what- You have to prepare your kids to uh, learn. You have to prepare them to listen and to respond and to, uh, and. And of course, at our dinner table, I was the youngest, so I I had to I had to really struggle to be heard, right, uh, and to argue my point in these things, which apparently those are somewhat lost skills in school kids. Interesting, very interesting. I mean, and again, there is so much to be said, and it's so interesting to listen to you, Lynn, because obviously you're not just now coming onto the scene um, as this powerful 
powerful woman who is uh, who is taking on learning about aging and doing her best to to really be in her prime in her you know to the top of your condition as the best you can you were always like that there was always this this fret this red fret running through your life of survivor thriver and then actually grower evolving these words sort of automatically come to my mind when i listen to you there is this this strong strong sense of self-preservation and Absolutely. rather than self-destruction which may unfortunately so many other people go down that line uh we we i often was was talking or considering um the my alcohol consumption as death by installment or death in installments suicide in installments and it is uh unfortunately you could say the same with regards to the way people eat nowadays with regards to people oh, don't don't exercise don't go out there and utilize their body to the fullest and it's this combination that we nowadays know causes so much inflammation it causes uh, in turn, so much cell death that we are programming ourselves. Oh, absolutely. We are we are responsible for what we do. Every single bite that we chew is either helping us to become the better version of us or the worse version of us. So, everything we consume, Stefan. Everything. Yeah, the correct. time you spend in front of a screen, in front of a TV. Touché. Everything that you bring in, and now there's a real challenge. Not only do we have these shelves full of crappy food calling out to you all the time, mm. but we are consumed by our crazy um, media. You know, just mm. it, we're just yeah. completely washed over by bad information i mean continually <laughs> you know I, I mean not that the information we received was perfect back then but there was a lot less of it yeah. so um we had more time to listen to the birds and the bees and uh it's and now of course everyone has made sort of a study of well you have to meditate like this and you have to do yoga like that and you have to go to and find yourself a guru about this and you know, I mean, no, just sit down, shut up, hmm. you know? Uh, it's not complicated. It's really not, I don't think. And <laughs> I sound, I know I, I hear myself sounding more and more like a grandma every day, but I'm owning that. I love being a grandma. Uh, it's great. For one thing, people kind of ignore you to a great extent. So you can, you can be a little bit invisible, you know, sneaking around. It's like, well, she's just, you know, she's an older woman. So, <laughs> you know. <laughs> do set your own detriment <laughs> that's all i can say <laughs> to those people around you <laughs> no i think the reality is um this in the past i mean several things here first of all is it not uh, a little bit interesting that you as a master manipulator i.e in the advertising world <laughs> that you talk about <laughs> manipulating and fake news and with that we don't mean fake news of, of trump we, we mean fake news of advertising and of how uh, social engineering really um, that we are told certain things that, you know, I mean, according to the advertising world, we must be living in this Coca-Cola advertisement, always happy, I'm happy, I'm young, I'm looking good. 
and it just drives me nuts. Oh, yet here you are com commenting on it, having worked in that field. Well, uh, you know, don't get me started on TikTok and Instagram and all those things. Because, you know, and I, I'm right in the middle of it, Stefan, because I, I have a book out. And this is not my first book. It's my fourth book. But mm. um, nowadays, I mean, the world has changed so much. The world of uh, authorship and promotion mm. and, and publishing and all these things has changed dramatically in the last three or four years only. Mm. I mean... So there, there, there's a vocabulary with it that you go, wait, what's that? Wow. We've had to invent new words to describe how we are now. And then the latest this year, it's AI, right? You can do wow. all these things. I don't need to write a book anymore. I can have Jasper write it for me, you know? Yep. Um, so it, it's, it's a little bit hard it, to not get whiplash as these things come rolling in so fast. Mm. But um Certain things don't change. One of them is tacky. Do you have that word in New Zealand? Mm -hmm. Tacky. Great word. <laughs> Indeed. Certain things you tacky, just glance at and it's nah. tacky now. And tacky will always be tacky. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, the authenticity. What happened to that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Whatever happened to being authentic? You know, the, <clears throat> the young women and I pride myself on having some beautiful, fabulous young friends who I like to think keep me sort of plugged into youngness. Um, they, some of them are, the, the degree to which they're altering their appearance, let's say. What do you mean? <laughs> is kind of breathtaking, <laughs> you know? And um, oh dear. It's, I just... I, whenever I'm out and about and I see the girls with the eyelashes out to oh, here, please. I just, I want to grab them and say, honey, you are so beautiful. Oh. So beautiful. Would you please not? And, you know, back in the day, um, my mother and my grandmother did not wear makeup to any degree at all. They had little lipstick and, you know, mm. they were very modest that way. Um, and, you know, they uh, gave me a side glance because I came up the sixties. It was, I don't know if you remember Twiggy and all these oh, fabulous goodness. models. And, you know, we, that's what we wanted to look like. But comparing that to what the young people are doing now, oh. it's just, oh, man. Because it's also performative. It has to photograph well for Instagram. It has to be on TikTok. And I think we'll see a lot of that fade pretty quickly in the next two, three years even. Um, it's because it's just not sustainable. It, it, it's going too fast. It's not landing anywhere. It's not creating anything mm. sustainable. It's just like, you know, being on the train and watching it go. Oh, I so, so I so wish that that you are a prophet here and that your words come true because the pressure that so many young people put themselves under is just self-destructive. It's absolutely yeah. self-destructive. That's uh, that's really, really, really hard for me to see. The maybe we are just talking more about it, but I mean the sheer fact that uh, that there's a one in five incidents in uh, in uh, female teenagers uh, to have an anxiety disorder that is diagnosed yeah. and often treated. I mean, that's right. nuts. 
that's just just yeah. crazy uh and and but i mean my boys they have just gone through their their teenager years they're now 21 22 um it was quite normal that sex pics naked naked pics were sent around um uh, amongst them but girls and boys alike yeah. and i thought you've got to be joking why, yeah. why the hell would you want to do that these photos are out there they will never Forever. never exactly so like they a have tattoo. honestly so i i'm i was so blessed because i I like you. I I was a, I was a child of the eighties, really. The eighties and the eighties in Germany, we had some fantastic parties, but that was a time <laughs> when we didn't have. I, know, I think I may have been at one or two. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> the point is, um, at that time, there were no smartphones with cameras, and in actual fact, we uh, when we were at at our parties, there was an unspoken rule: no cameras. And uh, what happens at a party stays at a party. There was sort of a, a codex, a, a kind of a of an honor system uh, amongst right. us, and that was beautiful. So there is no evidence of the beautifully sorted and whatever we did, we did, and it happened at a party and it stayed at a party. Nowadays, before you leave the party, you're splattered all over all over the, the the web and my goodness the very first thing that an employer will do will actually look at at, at your profile and there you are. it seems yeah. that the whole reason for going to the party was to be photographed oh. you know that 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 the camera seems to come first in unbelievable all these no it, it is, is it's but, it's a little tough for those of us who didn't grow up with it we just don't get it and uh, and like you say, we're old enough to understand that there will be repercussions. But maybe that is our duty that we share those 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 stories that maybe our our young ones can actually learn from that and actually maybe introduce such a codex to say, look, guys, maybe on our party tonight, no camera, no, put your phone down. We won't have phones on. Uh, I think may- we're already seeing that, Stefan. I'm I'm getting little glimmers from from young ones uh-huh. that they're kind of done with this to a great degree. Uh, and nice. you know, another thing that comes with that age is fads. You know, what uh-huh. you wear to school this year, you're not going to wear to school next year. You know, what what hair color you do, yeah. it's not going to be next year. And they're they're trying things all the time. So it's just that they. They now have the ability to try things on this grand uh, scale with their cameras, but they get boring, those things, after a while. Even though they're, they're so attractive and so stimulating, and so it, it, uh, we keep going back to what, what was the MySpace? Remember MySpace? Mm, that is, that okay, came well, and was, went. <laughs> it came and went. And even I'm seeing it in myself with Facebook. And again, as as an author, as a publisher, you know, we're supposed to be out there on Uh all the social media, but it's exhausting for one thing. (laughs) And we we aren't of a mind like some young ones are. I we were trained not to keep saying, "Look at me, look at me. Mm. Here's my Mm. story. Here's me. Here's what I want." Here's that's not the way our minds operate. And so it feels very 
performative and strange to be saying every day, here's what I ate and here's, right? Here's what I'm wearing and here's my friend and here's a, it's just stupid. Um, I, I mean, it's, it's fun to yeah. keep up with your friends. Yeah. It's sweet to connect with your cousin in Paducah. But that's not where we've gone with this. And, um, you know, it kind of went off in this crazy it, it, Hollywood way. So, so true. Uh, but here you are, you you and I, we are both actually forced to be in that world due to yes. us being here, you know, in order for my show to reach people. I need to be on that. But like you, I'm, I struggle with social media and I've luckily taken on a virtual assistant, a beautiful, wonderful woman who uh, knows, who's far more, uh, far more into that. So she, she does a remarkably, a remarkable job, which frees me up. And therefore, I don't have to think about that. I can actually focus on living a life to the fullest. I can actually focus on learning new things. Uh, so when you. when was I'm you behind you a few steps there? <laughs> oh no, it is the transformation um, that happened with you. When were you refocusing your attention on living life to the fullest and and remaining? I don't want to call it active. It all sounds so cliche, so so uh, platitudes. But I mean, you are a, a living example how to how to live well. Um, and when did that trend start? What made you click into that? I never didn't want to live well. I, I right. never didn't want to be engaged and interested and happy. And um, to me. Also, I've I've been a little mystified that this whole idea ageism that that people think that growing older was, you know, just by definition going to be icky, you know, going to be bad. Um, as I already said, I'm happier I think than I've ever been mm. because you get to throw a lot of stuff out of the wagon at this True. age. True. You know, you ditch stuff like that never worked for me. Right? I never really <laughs> liked it that that much. So it's gone. Nice. Good. And people people give you permission and give you room because, well, she's almost 77 now. So <laughs> and of course, if you go, oh, I'm sorry, I don't seem to have remembered that. They go, mm, right? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, Bullshit. we forgot to do that. Yeah. Bullshit. Okay, you're playing no. on it. <laughs> no, it's all good. Um, I, I'm sure that at some point <laughs> I'll probably regret my my confidence, but um, it, it's astonishing. Now, we we were supposed to be talking about longevity. And uh. We've had so much fun going all these different ways, but it's absolutely true that you can build bone health for example, you can keep your bones strong or even make them stronger by what you eat and what you do. Mm -hmm. And it was always, as a female, I was always told, well, you've got osteopenia and it's just mm -hmm. going to get bad and it's just going to go, you know, and you're not going to. And of course, I'm thinking that means never riding horses again. That means not dancing anymore. Now, wait a minute. That can't be true. And guess what? Mm. It's um, you 
and and the medications that have been developed to prevent bone loss are as well, as much as I can see, and I'm a believer in science, I don't mean that, but I'm not a believer in big pharma taking profits. <laughs> They're, you know, just like the cereal folks, this is crap, but how about paying me a lot of money for it and thinking that you need it? Um, th- there, you know, you can you can do so much to remain physically strong, Absolutely. but you have to get your butt out there and walk. Uh, I do a little r- weight routine. I mean, I live out uh, in the country, so <clears throat> I I had a wonderful little neighborhood gym that was just the best and. She was the best trainer and all my girlfriends went to it. And during it, she closed it and took a great job. And, you know, I was like, hmm. Okay. So then I went back to having to do it myself, which folks, that's life. That's how that works. And I have some weights and I have a little Pilates ring. And then I have a treadmill and I use them. And I try and use them, if not every day, three, four, maybe five days a week. And I try and build what I'm doing. And now what I have, Stefan, is I can put up a podcast and watch a wonderful podcast while I'm on the treadmill. Yay. (laughs) So, I mean, how great is that? It's super. Exactly right. Absolutely great. (laughs) And um, you don't don't have to be decrepit uh, prematurely. You know, I I think maybe when I'm 95 or 100, I'll probably slide into a slight bit of decrepitude, figuring that, you know, I I can enjoy that part of my life. People kind of doing everything for me and pushing me around. Great. Sounds good. No more cooking, no more cleaning. Yeah, I like it. Oh, oh, I, I I will get you back around that time. Okay, we will have the next. Yes. <laughs> I yes. doubt. And- I doubt it very much. I I say it now, here, right now. You will not be that little old lady that gets pushed around. Honestly, we'll just see, won't we? And and who knows what kind of state podcasting you may be a holograph in my studio at oh, that. Oh bloody point. hell! Well, yeah, uh, we have no idea what the future brings. You're quite right. You're quite right. But what we do know is that right now, we are in control of right now. And that is, I think, the life that you are living. You're living a very intentional life. You're living a life where you put uh, put out things, where, where your creativity still feeds you, which makes yeah. the, this passion that makes you get up, that makes you come onto my show. You are convinced that you can make this world a better place. And that is so beautiful. That is the the power that keeps us alive, I believe. And so and love you, a good yak. Look at me and you. What fun this has been. And I hope we'll be again at some point. To mm-hmm. me, the miracle of meeting people thousands of miles away mm-hmm. and having the and kind of like-minded people having these great conversations. Who knew? Mm. Who would want to miss that, mm. right? What a brilliant opportunity to have some company and some fun without leaving my cozy space, <laughs> right? right? <laughs> my, my dog is asleep right over there. And, uh, uh, I've got the heater on. I have heat in the floor here. And, oh, beautiful. Uh, 
it's it's fantastic. Do you follow Tony Seba by any chance? Not yet. Not yet. He's a, well, write the name down. He is a futurist who is at Stanford, and he does wonderful mm -hmm. YouTubes. And he has, a, you know, he's done TED Talks and everything. But he has predicted accurately more than once where we're going and what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And had people go, nah, -uh, and he's been right. So because he's all about data and the S curve and, you know, he's a scientist at heart. So his prediction now is that we are going to be all electric vehicles very shortly in five years. I forget, I think he said um, 2030 that it was going to be absolute. And you think, wow, that's just right around the corner. Mm -hmm. It's And he, he has a great visual that he shows on some of his, uh, performances where the first photograph is New York City 1900 black and white great photograph of all these horses and carriages and all the people in their hats <laughs> and then he shows the same exact camera angle the same photograph in 1910 and there are no horses and carriages there huh. it's all cars and then way back in the background, you can see, oh, wait, there's one right there. And there it is, the, the hard evidence of how fast these things not only transform the way we work, uh. the way we think, our landscape, how we build, how we think about the landscape, all of it. Yeah. One machine, one guy who wasn't a very nice guy, by the way. If you, if you don't know about Henry Ford. Well, I, I know. It's kind of to Antis, read about how that's about anti-Semitism and a lot of very not this one person, what this awful guy mm. had to rebuild the world. I mean, he was a god, you mm. know, and a and a can I say shitty on the air? He was oh yes, please. I use different words, a bit stronger even. You're yeah, right. Well, he was not a good guy, and yet. Look what he and my passion is the built environment. I love I you may know that I have a little foundation here in Pescadero and a lot of what we do is to protect our our historic buildings and uh, and our character and our landscape. And um, boy, Americans have been so careless with this beautiful country, you know, this land um, and these critters. Mm. So but the mountain lions are having revenge now. They've, the, oh yeah, we have them right on our property. All right. <laughs> they're all over. <clears throat> they're, uh, yeah, and, and sadly, they're eating people's livestock and so on, their pets. But <clears throat> you can't completely fool Mother Nature forever. You know, it has, nature has its way of coming back and twisting things around. And have you ever seen a mountain lion up close and personal? No. Puma, a cougar. No. Um, they are the most spectacularly beautiful creature ever. They're oh, just yeah. breathtaking. And when you look at them in the eyes, have I, I've done that, <laughs> I'm happy to say, and lived. Um, <laughs> when you look at them and they look at you, you understand immediately that they're above you on the food chain. Ah, 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 nice. Which is a good experience for people. 
I was okay. about to say uh, a bit of hum humiliation or yes. humility, shall I say, uh, yes. is actually quite a nice, a nice yeah, thing. It's good. It's helpful. Oh, wow, Lynn. Um, first of all, this is all I could talk to you for hours. And we have got such a beautiful good. picture of you um, as you have transformed and became the woman that you are now. For however, I I need to get you back. We need to get you back on this beautiful show because so far I have got a good sense of what created this powerhouse, what created this this woman who is now uh, willing to live a life to the fullest. But now I want to explore with you in the next show. I want to explore with you where you think we are going. Where do you think you are going? And I think okay. that is that will be a very, very cool thing where we actually will go into more depth into epigenetics, where we'll go into more depth into. And, you know, you make this sound so glamorous. I love that stuff. <laughs> glamorous. Well, yeah. no, I glamour, glamour. Clamorous, I don't know, is 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 a lot of makeup and therefore a lot of mask. No. Um, living life to the fullest makes you beautiful because your eyes shine. You don't need makeup there. You don't need glamorous makeup. You need your eyes to be full of light. You need to become the light. And I think that is what I want to be. That is what I, I want. I did definitely put mascara on for you. <laughs> I'm very grateful. I know. I, I know. I, I did a lot of work myself. I'm kidding, kidding, kidding. Um, it is. No, we two are, are out there and we are changing the world. And that is beautiful. I I so much feed from your passion. I so much feed on your on your enthusiasm. Yeah, I, hope that is... I hope somebody is listening. Well, yes, they will. And they are, because we we are here to prove that the past does not equal the future. Whatever trauma there was in the past, there was in the past. It has defined you, but it doesn't define you now. Okay, it has created you, but now you are in the driver's seat. And people forget that. It's so easy to throw a pity party and say, oh, poor me, poor me. Mm. When in reality, you could say, yeah, a lot of shit has happened. <laughs> Hell, look at the last three years. Okay, uh, these were not easy years for, to anyone I've talked to, um, neither for me. Um, okay, it was what it was. But now we are, we are recording here at the start of 2023. And I am willing to make a difference i'm willing to learn i'm actually at age 56 i'm going back to university so to speak i'm doing the the uh, diploma but, in 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 functional medicine it just, it's so wasted on 18 year olds isn't it to <laughs> say well no when you go to university that's your freedom that's that's where you explore that's where you grow a backbone um okay that's that's where you uh, spread your wings and get them clipped a few times, okay? Uh, so you need to do that. You did the 60s, come on. And you can even remember some of it. Now that's, people say, if you if you can remember the 60s, you haven't been there, okay? Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. 
<laughs> so no so i mean uh, lynn you're an amazing woman and i so 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 will haunt you until you come back to me onto the show and we will then talk epigenetics and we will talk um ways forward how we to envisage to live to 120 but not in at crippled by pain but actually in a way where we're gonna have fun where we gonna uh you yeah. know i i can't wait to uh finish actually working in in my my work as an anesthetist however much i love my profession um i can't wait to actually then go two months to buenos aires and learn how to dance the tango uh proper argentina tango and on my list always and i haven't done it yet so. exactly so so we too need to figure out how can we actually create how can we turn our mitochondria a bit around and make them again the the young powerhouses of energy that they are how, what can we do to actually uh live our life to the fullest in the next year Don't in the next five the years ten years that our mitochondria are not part of our body exactly it's creepy but really fun <laughs> to think about all this stuff happening in our bodies that we just don't yeah. have a clue. We're Absolutely. carrying this stuff around, right? Absolutely. And we really and one of the things that's I find hilarious about the guys who have podcast, not you, but some of those guys who remain nameless who have podcasts that know stuff. Absolutely, right? And they tell you how it is. And out here is your grandma and going, you don't know. That's just not. <laughs> That's so true. So, so true. Oh, that the dean of Harvard University, 1956, said to his students, "Hey guys, um, you, what we now know, what I teach you today, half of it will be obsolete in ten years' time." And that was 1956. Nowadays, that is not ten years. We're talking five years or even shorter. What is being taught? Yeah. What I have been taught at university about medicine, about functional medicine, about that, that is a heap of rubbish. And nowadays, we've learned so much more. It has evolved so quickly. And, and I'm a little concerned because my book came out in 2021. And I just reread it every word going, how much of this am I still proud of and happy with? Because <laughs> I know so much more Absolutely. than I did years ago and i'm happy to say that most of it is solid and i blame that on the grandma on me it's like you know it, it was it was just kind of sensible information you yeah. know kind of thing but i i'm i love that the technology now allows me to put the book out in audible and update it indeed indeed right it, which it, isn't that great and i get to say you know i wasn't exactly right on on that point but I've since learned this and that and the other thing. Beautiful. Isn't that just great? Exactly. Show us again your book, please, because I got to be the next. <laughs> I'm so happy you asked. Here's the paperback version. Here's the hardback version. Oh, and gorgeous. it's full of pictures, colorful stuff. <laughs> um, there, It's simple. Beautiful. Here's Popcorn of the Gods. That's one of my favorite dinners. <laughs> okay. But it's, it's all healthy, good stuff. Yeah. That is how I got my numbers out of diabetic range. Look at that. Oh, oh yeah. look at that. Yes, please. Yeah. 
And um, I didn't, I wanted it to be accessible, Stefan. Yeah. I want, but look at that. <laughs> that is a thing. Who doesn't want a donut with pink frosting and sprinkles? And there is no sugar in this. Excellent. So the sprinkles, I thought they were sugar. I think they were. They yeah. are. I, they are available online and they yeah. are sugar-free and they're delicious. They actually taste <laughs> good. Excellent. And everything in I, so this is a this is a no gluten, no sugar. Um, and you can make it kind of what you want. You can add meat, you can add fish. Oh, um, beautiful. And and I even I've got my house bits and pieces in here, <laughs> which Excellent. illustrates my obsession with food, I think, because I uh. always paint pictures of food and everything but it can't here here's my kitchen love it love it hey so, show me so that again i invite you into my life with this book what oh no i this is this is virtually uh, a a copy of my kitchen i'm no yes i was virtually the same <laughs> It's virtually the same. I've got a big center. I've got a same ranger, same oven. <laughs> Priceless. We two are more alike than I ever thought. <laughs> I take a picture and send it to you. Isn't that so fun? No, no, well, it is here's... because we are we are we are living in that kitchen, and that kitchen is is the center of the household. It was in yeah. the past, and it should be the same now. It's not the living room where we're just eating and and eating mindlessly, uh, where we are celebrating. Not a television this my, inside. This is my kitchen too. Uh, this is the kitchen table. Uh huh. And, oh, amazing. Um, can we? Can we say, I, I want you to be there one day, Stefan. Oh, I, I would love in to. In real life, <laughs> at my table, not uh, just the whole strength, okay? I, indeed, indeed. This, is, this madness in the world can only last this long. We know that every every wave will, oh, beautiful, beautiful. See, you're living your life to the fullest. And I think that is what this is. This is not just a cookbook. This is a recipe for life. I think that is the best way we can put that. Ah, uh, look at you. There are the pictures from the 60s. Ah, <laughs> priceless. <laughs> so in other words, guys, you, you can already see. So uh, those of you who are listening to the podcast, unfortunately, you couldn't see the pictures, but these pictures are gorgeous. So go out there, check down there into the description of the YouTube uh, channel and of the podcast, because you have, you've got all the links to Lynn's uh, work and to, to where we can find her. Lynn, tell us, do, do you have a website? Where, people, where can people find you? LynnBowman.com. Just spell my name right. L-Y-N-N-E. B-O-W-M-A-N.com. Yeah. Yeah. And that has everything listed on it. And if you sign up, I have on, when you open up lynnbowman.com, there's a Lynn's list thing where you just give me your email and I will occasionally, very occasionally <laughs> email you a great recipe or yeah. a tip. Yeah. Um, and um, I love hearing from people about how they're doing with the recipes and the books and the, yeah ideas because I didn't do them just so I could publish a book. I did them because I want you using them, eating this way and feeling like I do. I want you healthy and strong. Mm. Uh, and it's not 
complicated. It's, I honestly, it's not, you don't have to measure stuff. Uh, it's, I I teach you some principles here. And even with everything I've learned, (laughs) as we were just saying, since I did the book, still it's solid information. Uh, and it can be tweaked to suit your life. I promise you. Beautiful. That's wonderful. And since there are quite a few Lynn Baumans around, so Lynn Palmiter Bauman uh, is your your uh, author name, the full name. Um, so again, look down there into the description, guys. It's very easy. There is no difficult difficulty in finding Lynn's work out there. Lynn, you're an amazing woman. Uh, you really made my day today. Um, I'm I. I got a really good insight into what created this beautiful powerhouse of energy. And I can't wait now to 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 dive, deep dive into ways how we both can infuse each other to uh, live a healthier lifestyle. And when we say healthier, um, again, this is a journey. There's, there are new new things that you and I learn every day. There are new okay. insights that the medical fraternity comes up with. There are new new studies uh, come out. Um, it is amazing. There's absolutely is an amazing world out there. And both Lynn and I will give you a far more in-depth uh, insight in what we have learned uh, in and due course. Thank you, Stefan, for, for, for taking it on yourself to do a podcast no small job, no small <laughs> achievement. It's huge. And oh, you're doing a great you. job with it. So thank you for allowing me to participate. Absolutely. Guys out there, look after yourself and live with passion. Bye. I never give up. I never give up. I never give up. Turn around.